Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Uh, what well, we're gonna we're gonna go in chronological order because a lot happens in this chapter. Oh boy, we're gonna do a three-parter, two and a half. Oh gosh. Anyway, New Pork City. We we step outside the magical flying limo with rockets, and suddenly we see this foggy urban atmosphere with a bunch of cardboard cutout buildings, more villagers we've never seen before. All the other villagers are unhappy to be here. What do you think? Um, well enough. Yeah, you just have this crummy cardboard cutout city. The first major thing that happens, you're not allowed to get into Porky's big Empire Porky building, which is where he is. You have to... I don't even remember how you get in. Uh, you have to do some yeah, stuff in the sewers. You, you go into the sewers, and then you find... exposition. Then you get the plot dump. I want to talk about that plot dump. That, that seems worth discussing. It, it, I mean, it has to be, because it's the plot dump. There's this really tall guy in the crossroads throughout the first half of the game, or the first three chapters, and then in chapter four he disappears because the pigmas captured him and locked him away because he knows the plot dump. Yeah. And then he gives you the plot dump because you find where they were hiding him away. Yeah, so... So the world was ending, and everybody was like, well darn, the world is ending. So, so they went off to an isolated island and locked their memories away inside of the Egg of Light, where they could live a peaceful and idyllic life. Yeah. Then Porky came in from Earthbound, and he was like, no wait, I got an idea, it'll be funny. And suddenly he introduces robots, economy, technology, shallowness stuff. It basically turns the world what it is because... Because one of the guardians of the needles betrayed the other six and kind of told him everything for some reason. I don't know why they did that. It's never explained. Yep. But, yeah, it turns out this is w literally what's left of the world. The, the entire rest of the world has been on your island and now New Pork City. I think New Pork City is part of the island, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but... Culturally, it's different. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, basically, Porky saw the idyllic little society at the end of time and thought, huh, I want to play with that. Uh-huh. And so he did. And honestly, I feel like that's the entire plot dump, but I gave it in, like, a quarter of the time that the game does. Yeah, it's easy to summarize. There's a lot of little details that kind of really help it to hit home and punch mm -hmm. you in the gut and tying up a lot of little plot threads that it wouldn't really be feasible to mention more than the ones we've already diverted to talk about. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the plot oh, dump. Yeah. Are we done with the plot dump? You're, yeah, you're, you're encouraged to go stop Porky and the commander. Also, you get into a fight with the robot merchant one last time and throw him into the sewer afterward. Oh yeah, he dies there. Well, then actually, you get to go into the Porky building. Then you go to the Porky building. So I mentioned in Chapter 5 that I think Porky's a really fascinating villain because of the world he makes for himself, and oh boy, his stupid tower. Yeah, it's, 
it's actually very good at building up to Porky when you finally meet him. It's it's, it's kind of like Gruntilda's lair in a way for me. Sort of, yeah. Um, so I think really great antagonists are ones where it's shown how they're flawed and you're supposed to kind of like recognize it and know that it's good not to be like that. Mm-hmm. And so Porky's building is just kind of showcasing a bunch of his flaws. Like, I remember there's one room that's Porky's fan club. And Porky's fan club is kind of this... It, it is a very sexy room. There's like this big heart-shaped pillow for him to sit on. It's Porky's but, harem. Yes, it is Porky's harem. And there are these scantily clad women who have big fans to fan him with, although he's not there. Um, and fried chicken. Do they have fried chicken? They have fried chicken for Porky. What? Yeah, you talk to one of them, it's like, oh, I have this plate of hot wings for Porky or something. God, what a loser. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I like that... steamed hands. It's like that kind of room. And, like, you talk to them and they talk about how they tickle Porky under his chin. And... His chins. Mm-hmm. His chins. I don't know if they say plural chins, but they should. <laughs> and and so, I guess I kind of got ahead of myself. Later in the tower, it's revealed that he has these little people tubes where he puts them in that basically control them. And, well, yeah, it makes it so that they're under his control. The saddest part of that room is that, unfortunately, he got his hands on Mr. T. Yes, he got his hands on Mr. T. Mr. T and... is no longer on our side. <laughs> and so... We have to that... save him. Yes, what that little lab is called is the Nice People Lab, or something to that effect. Because yes. Porky thinks that everyone that doesn't do exactly what he says is a mean person. So by making them into his slaves, they become nice people. And so you look back on his stupid little harem, where he possessed these people and made them scantily clad to tick, tickle him under his chin. I find it interesting is that, now now part of this might just be due to the age rating or something, but for as much as they look the part, they don't really do anything but fawn over him and feed him. So it's like, this is what Porky saw on TV once and he doesn't really know what it's supposed to mean. Yep, absolutely. Um, I definitely don't think he is actually having any relations with them. Uh, he just kind of does the part and like he is controlling these people in the first place he's not actually getting any relationship with them he's just getting the stimulus or what he thinks the or stimulus what he would thinks be. the stimulus would be and so he's just kind of getting this really shallow idyllic life he's not getting anything that really is important or makes people happy he's just getting nonsense yeah now, some of the rooms I want to focus on is, first off, you have a reunion with the DCMC. Ah, uh, yes. And it's interesting that instead of playing Porky music, that also they invite Duster to perform with them real briefly, but instead of playing Porky music, they play a reprise of Duster's, a.k.a. not Duster's theme. It's, it's, it's the theme of the town, man. It's the theme oh. of the whole town. Well, Duster's the most important 
of them. Like it plays in chapter three when you're playing as Salsa. Um, oh. I don't remember all the other places it plays, but it plays. In okay, a lot it of plays. Things. It plays during the funeral, but I always kind of figure Lucas and his family are separate from everyone else, so I kind of see Duster as the villager stand-in. Anyway, they they play that song instead of Porky music, and later on in the chapter they help you in another way, so I feel like it's kind of meant to be their redemption, not that they did anything wrong, but nah, still. It's your bros coming back to help you. Who's their actual friends? Another room I like is the Hippo Zoo. Oh, really? Yeah, where the only way forward is you have to swim through the water and stuff, and it's you know, very adventure but near the end, Porky talks to you on the intercom. He's like, ha you're all crawling through the mud just to get to me. What a bunch of losers. I was like, oh, so he's going to be like that. Yeah, so he's just this complete cuss. Yeah. Like, um, he's going he's gonna to make you degrade yourself just for a laugh, and you have to put up with it. Yeah. And that's very antagonistic. But it's also really petty antagonism, too. So I don't feel like... I don't feel like it's the mushrooms where I'm kind of playing the fool. I feel like I'm just doing my thing, and he just can't help but waggle his nose at me. Mm-hmm. He's just a snotty little brat of a villain. Um, he yeah. has a toilet dungeon so that he can make fun of you for walking through a bunch of toilets. Or, well, yeah, that's, a bunch of restrooms. That, 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 that's kind of a weird thing to make fun of someone for. Yep. Um, there, are these, there are these statues in the toilet dungeon... That are just, I think they're little porky angels, and they're fountain statues of him peeing. Yeah, it's that, it's that one statue that you see, but they're all of porky, and uh, I, I would hate to imagine him modeling for that. <laughs> oh god, that's something you would have actually had to do, isn't it? <laughs> so, so, so yeah, he's, the, he's the just... toilet maze is home to a few interesting quirks, one of them being the chimera again. And another room has all the ghosts from Chapter 2 all bunched together. Oh yeah, I forgot about them. <laughs> They're all just hanging out in the bathroom for some reason. That's where they were all game. They all had to go. At the same time. There's a dumb construction area. Yeah, that part doesn't really have much to do with anything. No. I feel like, I feel like the hippo zoo could be a common target of criticism, but I, I still like that that moment with Porky. That's fair. I was surprised you liked the Hippo Zoo. Um, well, it's because of that moment. The big one, I think, is the little game show section. Oh, wait. I, I want to talk about one oh, more did, room before did, did, the game show section. Did I miss one? What did yeah, you, you did. You missed uh, Locria's house. Oh, I suppose. So, while you're going through Chapter 7, as you go to the different Needle Guardians, you notice they all live in seashell houses. And you suddenly find one in the middle of the Porky Tower, and you walk inside, and suddenly it has all these little props that remind you of the merchant that you've been fighting all throughout the game. There's bananas. And it's, yeah, and it's all but stated that he was the missing guardian who betrayed all the rest and helped Porky, and I always thought that was really interesting, just to have that posthumous reveal like that. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting is the little mouse that's there. Yeah, that, that mouse. That, that, there's a little mouse that was his friend, and is saying, like, oh, Locria was such a nice person that took care of me. Where is he nowadays? Or where is she, I guess? Magic gender. And it's like... Kind of this weird humanizing element where this villain 
actually had a friend. And I, I, I don't really know what to make of it. I, I feel like it's a little bit unearned because it's like, I, I know it's supposed to introduce some complexity and grayness, but otherwise I'm thinking, um, what makes this mouse so special that he would treat the monkey like garbage? I think the and, implication actually is that Porky probably controlled Locria. You think? Um, because, like, he managed to just throw everyone else into a tube. I guess that's true. That's that's a plot bunny I hadn't thought of. So, uh, okay. That's well, that's all I, I have to say that. about Locria's house. Okay. And then you do the game show. The game where... show. I remember you had a lot to say about this one. Mm-hmm. Where, basically, Porky wants you to play against a robot of himself playing a bunch of games and pretend to lose as closely as possible so that he can feel like he won. Yeah. And so, like, for one, like, with the hippo thing, he's just trying to humiliate you into doing what he wants. But also it shows that he's just obsessed with winning. He doesn't really care about the actual value of competition or anything. He just wants to win. Yeah, he just wants to look good. And so... I think with everything else, they're just painting him as kind of this... I guess gluttonous is the right word. Just going for the absolute most shallow pleasures possible without actually getting into the depth or meaning of anything. That's fitting for his pig motif. Mm -hmm. And so he just lives this really shallow, unpleasant life. Like, he's not happy. He controls all of these people. He has so much power and can do anything he wants. But he's not happy because of just the mindset that he has and the things that he tries to get. Yeah. After pretending to lose the contest, yeah, I guess you get this boat ride that shows you a bunch of props from Earthbound. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that was. I- I'm getting the order backwards. That, that, but I'm... That's a. I don't remember when that happens. You fight the giant robot with the neat boss theme. Yeah, you fight the giant ZZ Top sharp dressed man boss theme. That thing's kind of weird. I consider that to be kind of the boss of Chapter 8, because everything else is either a scripted fight or the final boss, which is kind of scripted in its own right. This is the last fight that you really have to, like, win, start to finish all on your own. Fair enough. I think. Uh, Porky is pretty easy. Neither is very challenging, because the game is kind of broken at that point. Yeah, but you finally meet Porky, and he throws... A bunch of robot likenesses of himself at you. It's kind of weird. Then you you actually meet Porky himself, and it's it's a little hard to appreciate due to the, the the limitations of the Game Boy Advance. But it becomes clear, especially through his dialogue, that he is a very very sick, very old man now, and he's strapped to some kind of bed like the one he was in in Brawl, and this is him. We're face-to-face with Porky after all this time, and this is what he looks like. This this pathetic, wheezing old man, who I think he made himself immortal with time travel. Yeah. I think he's, like, infinitely old at that point. But... Like, I, I can't really tell that he's old just from looking at him, other than the fact that he's pale. It just looks like a color swap of himself. Yep, because he never I... grew up. 
I mean, he has the mustache going on, but it's really bright and hard to see. Very good of him not to have a beard going on. You'd think he'd just let it go without a care. I guess he doesn't want to look too old, because he doesn't want to associate himself as an adult. You, you reunite with a few of the other villagers, including Wes, making his eighth and final chapter appearance. Yes. And Flint shows up again. Miss then, then Porky drops you all the way down, like, the party and Flint, no one else, all the way down to his basement. And you eventually get into a fight with him until you bust his spider bed to pieces. And then he hides inside of a giant capsule. I love it. So he traps... Well, no, he doesn't really trap himself. He puts himself inside of this completely 100% invincible capsule. So you cannot win the fight. You cannot beat him. You lose the fight. You have to leave. But... Porky wins! Yeah, it says... I don't know if it ever says he wins, but it says because Porky is inside the absolutely safe capsule, the battle is, by definition, over. You talk to the doctor who made it, and he's like, oh yeah, this thing is completely invincible, it can't even be opened from the inside. And so, you check the capsule, and it says Porky is sticking his tongue out at you from inside, but it's established that he's immortal. He's He's inside of this little capsule where he can't get out, and where you can't kill him. So he's just trapped forever. Yep, doing nothing. Etoy like, even said that even after the universe ends, he'll still be in there. Yep. To him, that's winning. He sees that you can't beat him, no one can hurt him, so he won, and he's better than everyone else. He's gonna live longer than everyone else, therefore he wins. But it's the absolute just most distilled nothingness of a victory you could possibly have because he can't do anything. But he just can't stand the thought of losing at anything, so... And so he just curses himself to the most wretched fate imaginable. And he's happy about it because... Well, he's because he won! Because he won. And now, granted, I'm sure he'll stop being happy within, like, 30 minutes, but... Within 30 minutes or less. It's kind of just the most perfect way for him to lose. Just where he thinks he wins, but is reduced to basically just being an infant in the womb doing nothing forever. Yeah, when I first got introduced to this game, I felt like, oh, jeez, that's harsh. But then looking back and like being more acquainted with Porky throughout this game and Earthbound and learning more about him, it's just like, good, stay in there longer if you can help it. (laughs) Oh yeah, he's a wretched little snob. He is... I hate him. Oh like, yeah. I, I, I joke to all our friends about how much I hate Isabel. Like, that's that, that just a joke. I hate... <laughs> I hate Porky. Comparing Isabel to Porky? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Well, I'm saying that that's, that's okay. mainly a joke when right? I say that I hate her. But when oh, I yeah. say I hate Porky, I mean, I hate Porky. Like, yeah. I, I, just, I just want him to be in pain. And so Porky is an incredibly effective villain by just representing all of these horrible traits and being, like, the opposite of an idol. He's something you're supposed to look at and try not to be. Porky does everything wrong. I do like 
one of the doctor's lines is that he says, perhaps this is something Porky might have wanted anyway. And when you think about it, it really does line up with his ultimate plan. Mm -hmm. After having his fun messing around with the island and stuff, he wanted Klaus to pull all the needles, and his nothingness would be passed on to the dragon, who would make nothingness. So it would just be Porky and the dragon for all eternity. So it's pretty much the same thing for Porky, just minus the dragon. Not much more to say about that, I think. It's really pretty self-explanatory, but oof. I do like the gameplay quirk is right after Porky. If you go back down the ladder, the item guy is suddenly there. <laughs> it's like, how do you get all the way down here? Mm -hmm. Okay, but... And then we get to the confrontation with the masked man. Yes, the final needle. I cry every time. <laughs> yeah, we... The masked man is there at the last needle. He lightnings all of you. Except Lucas. and you have the Franklin badge still. Yeah. And you're forced into a duel with him. You can try to revive your party members, um, but don't well, bother. So, well, so before that, um, Flint tells you that that's your brother. Oh, yeah. He, he, he says you he finally found him. him. Mm -hmm. and also, Flint is bald. Uh, yes, so if you talk to Flint like 30 times... Uh, oh, right. Yeah, his hat flies off, revealing that he's bald... And then if you talk to him, if you talk to him thirty times, he says like, "Yes, I'm bald as a bean." <laughs> like he will say the same thing all thirty of those times until he finally admits it. So all those all those repeated lines are just canon. Yes. Yes. And then you fight the mass man. Yes. And, and... He, he kills all your party. And Lucas cannot attack him because he's just too distraught over having to fight his brother. There is one part where Lucas can attack, but it, it doesn't do much good. Right, I think you can attack for a little bit, and then he can't just can't muster it anymore. Oh, see, the thing is, there's a bit where Flint, off-screen, well, kind of off-screen, given how the battle looks, oh, yeah. takes, takes a hit for Lucas, yeah. and I think that kind of lights a fire under Lucas and lets him strike back temporarily. Oh, does it? I think that, so. That's I, actually amazing, I never tried that, holy crap. Uh, I might be misremembering. It's it's worth looking up on your own. But, uh, yeah, the main gimmick of the fight is just to survive. Like, I said that the cyborg a while ago was the final regular boss because everything else is scripted. I'd say Porky is technically still the final boss mm -hmm. in the traditional sense. And this is just kind of a, a plot resolution fight. This is a narrative fight. Which all of the other Mother games ended on, too. Just gimmick fights. Yeah, like how in Earthbound, you fight Porky again, and he's the final regular boss, and the fight with Alien is just kind of hanging tight while Paula prays. Throughout the fight, Hinawa's ghost tries to reach out to Klaus and make him remember who he is, like, like she's Mufasa or something. Yes. And you get flashbacks to their infancy and stuff like that and the background kind of changes and it gets harder to see which i always interpreted that as lucas's eyes watering up but that's just me that's fair i thought it was more like just everything is getting frazzled well that, that could also be it mm -hmm. ghostly interference and such so yeah you know, based... you're messing up my signals yeah so 
Klaus is attacking you and just slowly realizing that he doesn't really want to and that he's being controlled while you do nothing but try to stay alive. It shows some flashbacks of Lucas and Klaus's babies. And it plays the love theme. And eventually Klaus takes off his helmet and I'm, I'm going to say something is due to the shading and due to the way the background looks, I you can always see when they change sprites for him. That that kind of takes me out of it slightly, but then like right away again, I'm back into it. And it's like, oh, look, it's Klaus. He's finally here. Like, wait, wait, why are you killing yourself? What are you doing? No. Yeah. And so then when he's realized what he's become, you kill him with the most literal interpretation of the power of love possible, where he just shoots lightning at you to kill himself because he knows it'll reflect. I never fully understood why he did that. Um, because he still doesn't have enough control. Oh, so it's it's only a temporary thing. Like, it's only within his programming anymore to attack, so he attacks in the way that'll make him lose, I figure. Well, fair enough. And he gets to say his goodbyes after the fight, and everyone's just kind of there for him and Lucas. And then Lucas just goes up to that last needle, he's ready, he does it, and oops, the world is ending. And then everyone's okay. This is a trick apocalypse, which is a a combination of words I never thought I'd say. You see, it's pretty graphic, actually. Everything is falling apart, all these locales that you're familiar with, even the new ones, they're all falling to pieces, everything is coming to an end. And then suddenly the word end itself shows up, and you can control it, and it's implied that you're in a new reborn world that's better than it was before the beginning of the game, even. And all the characters are there talking to you, the player. Like, even Lucas is talking to you now. And uh, everyone's fine, except for Hinawa and Klaus and the Guardians and stuff. Except, I think, yeah, you don't talk to them, but judging by the little casting call at the end, it's implied they are still okay. It's kind of weird, and I don't really know what to make of it, but... I don't think I don't think they do came back. I think that's just... Okay. I think that's just fluff. Yeah. And so, I think the gist you're supposed to get from it is that your interaction with them is over. All you need to know is that they're okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. And, uh, yeah, then you get a little cast call and get the credits, and, uh, Mother 3! Except it's in trees this time. Yeah, they they changed the logo of the game to match the state of the world again. It's very cute. So, yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about this, oh my gosh. Yes. Now, any any thoughts on the ending and stuff, other than the fact that you cried? Um, let's see. I can't really get into it that well because I don't fully understand it myself I do think it's just kind of a perfect way to end the game just ending on a fight where you don't really win by attacking you win from the relationship that you have with the boss in question I think that's a really nice move um violence isn't always the answer Well, Mm -hmm. well you have to wait for them to inflict violence on themselves yes 
something about the familial love in there just kind of gets me that I still can't quite comprehend. It's just done really well, musically and graphically. Yeah, like the game really puts its best foot forward out at the end. The ending itself, I kind of... Mm, one way that I kind of think of it is that and that everyone died, and that you can interpret what happens to them after that in the same way that people interpret whatever happens after death in real life. You're saying that they've moved on to an afterlife in that In some sense. In some sense. I'm not really sure of it myself. That's just one impression I get. But I just left to interpretation on purpose. Right. And so you're just meant to interpret that wherever they are, it's better now. Yeah. Porky is still there, but he's still in the pod. He's still in a pod. He can't do anything. He has to spend an eternity knowing that he lost. Maybe we could roll it into the ocean or something. And he would still be alive. Yeah, but it would it would make it slightly worse, which... I, I just really want to twist that knife a little more. He's a little snot. Okay, so... I think that about covers the game itself. The, the, next, the next bullet on the list, I think, we don't really... We don't care about, but then there's songs. Well, actually, I'm a little interested. Did any chapter actually stick out to you as your favorite of them all? Um... I love all of them for pretty different reasons. Like, one has the biggest gut punches. Um, three has a really interesting setup. Six is six, and eight has Porky being a really good villain. So it's one of those, but I can't really choose. It's basically every other chapter, yes. more or less. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. It's exactly I, half of them, yeah. I don't think I could really weigh in on this as much. I need to do it myself again, but right. The songs. The soundtrack was done by Shogo Sakai. I'm not too familiar with their other works. Nor am I. The um... most recurring song. The most recurring light motifs in the game are the the pig themes, and the love theme, and the village theme. Not many particular songs really stand out to me in this game, uh, but there's a lot of just really good leitmotifs there. Okay. The village is used extremely well, with it just kind of carrying on throughout the game. Um, there's one in particular, actually there's three in particular, um, when you're playing as Salsa delivering the happy boxes. Like, yeah. If I remember right, the village theme is kind of playing there, but it's also getting just overrun by an accordion, which is associated with the merchant. Yeah, I think that's called the Monkey Delivery Service. Yes, Monkey's Delivery Service. And so I think that's a really clever way of using music to represent that the merchant is taking over the village. Yeah, that's a really interesting technique. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of in Ed, Ed, and Eddie how sometimes they would merge different light motifs of characters based on who's relevant to the scene. That's interesting. Like, like, um, like the guy with Plank always had knocking sounds. Oh, oh, the music thing I want to tell you about way early on. 
Whenever the masked man attacks you, it makes the same sound effect as Klaus's musical attack. I, in the I figured it would. That's pretty great. I I, I remembered. Okay. Um, uh, the village theme in Chapter Seven, where it plays when everyone's left and it's sad, is a great use of it. And then and, there were none. And then, oh yeah, it's called that, isn't it? Goodness gracious. Yeah. And then in Chapter 8, like you mentioned, where DCMC is playing it in more of a uh, just upbeat reprisal of it, which I think is the first time in the game that it's actually played being really upbeat, so it just feels really earned. I guess so. I mean, I still mostly associate it with Duster's segment of Chapter 2, and I don't think it's particularly sad there, it's just... Like, it's yeah, like it's a not. good unwind after everything mm-hmm. in Chapter 1. Yeah. Because that is the first time it plays, I think. I don't think it's in Chapter 1. Well, I mean, it's, again, it, a sad version of it is the funeral music. But let's see, some of the songs I like. Like, I talked about the Club Attic music with that insane slap bass. It's called The Attic is a Dungeon. I also like Beyond Sunshine Forest. It plays in the forest during the first three chapters. I like most of the end game boss themes, like the three in a row, the the natural killer cyborg, the robot Porky's, yes. and Porky himself are all really good boss themes. I remember Porky's boss theme in particular was one of the first songs I heard from the game period, and it was the first so- video I ever favorited on YouTube, so it, it's, a, it's a bit nostalgic for me because this was way back ago when I was starting to be more internet savvy back then good fight themes because I, I tend to gravitate towards fight music mm-hmm. yeah i tend to gravitate toward the light motifs here like tasmanly theme and then also the love theme is used a lot really yeah, well. light, light motifs are really good too especially if you can work them into a fight theme like they do with porky yes and oh yeah they do don't they and I think a lot of what makes the fight with Klaus at the end work is bringing in the love theme. Just yeah. bringing in all of the nostalgia from that just to punch you right in the gut. Yeah, during the second phase of that fight. Because during the first phase, they just play this weird heartbeat that turns into musical yes. dissonance. Yes. Uh, any, any last comments on the soundtrack? Uh, it's the best soundtrack on the GBA, I'll say that. Like, it's really impressive that they just made such a good soundtrack with a sound chip that sounds pretty bad. Yeah. And sometimes it still kind of shines through that it's... it. You, yeah, you remember it is a Game Boy. Like, there's still that oh, yeah. Game Boy crust that sometimes... Yeah, th- like, Bon Voyage Amigo. Really nice song for the most part until the saxophone comes in and just sounds crunchy. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was a trumpet or something. I don't know what it was. It was a GBA song. Yeah. GBA instrument. Moving on. You don't think they're ever gonna actually go through with it and release the game, do you? Uh, in the West, no. I don't think it'll happen. Um, I kind of appreciate Mother 3's stance in the West, actually. I think it's perfect for the kind of game that it is. It wasn't released and sold in the West it was a labor of love by fans to translate it so that people could share it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's technically still above the law, but it is kind of a testament to how much people love this game, and mm -hmm. it's worth noting that the game isn't as beloved in Japan. It is not. Uh, and I wonder if people would love it as much over here if it wasn't taboo, the forbidden fruit. Yeah, it, it is. It is a lot on that respect. It that doesn't have much to do with how much I like it anymore. Um, though on it being above the law, it still literally is. Though obviously Nintendo knows about it. They do. They they actually do know about it, and the guys were saying like, "Hey, we'll stop if you want us to." And Nintendo just never said anything. So. Mm -hmm. And for that matter, if we look at the Spirits mode in Smash Bros. Ultimate, it uses the names of a bunch of characters from Mother 3. Yeah. It, u it uses the names from the fan translation. Uh, I'm, I'm, trying, to th I'm trying to think, actually. I don't, I don't know if... The only Mother 3 Spirits are all the controllable characters... The absolutely safe capsule, the ultimate chimera, and uh Well so, like we mentioned it? like we mentioned with Flint and Hinawa. She was called Hinawa in Brawl though. Yeah, she, she was called Hinawa in Brawl, which sets a precedent for using the Japanese names. They did not use Flint's Japanese name. They used the translated one. What wasn't he called Flint in like wasn't he a sticker in Brawl and he was called Flint there? That's possible. That's yeah, because I remember I was looking for the merchant, and I wonder if they would call him his Japanese name, Yokuba, or if they would call him Facade, like in the translation, and he just doesn't have a spirit. And I was like, darn you! Oh, yeah, that would do it. There is, worth noting, is that the masked man spirit it allegedly uses, like, a model of his battle sprite that was found on DeviantArt. Huh. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. So I haven't confirmed if Spirits uses any names from the translation, but I, I feel I like they would. I don't think they do. It's interesting to think that the lasers that killed everyone somehow got the safe capsule. Okay, yeah, Flint is a spirit in, in Brawl, or he is a sticker in Brawl. That's what I thought. Uh, Boney is, Duster is, so yeah, most of them... So Are there actually the, is the president, so... Yeah, so they do have that. And then Hinawa is just Japanese for some reason. That's odd. Other than Mother 3 being what it is, and... Yeah, you know, I made peace with it as soon as I knew the fan translation was ready. Like, when I saw that Let's Play, you know, I, I knew it was like, okay, it's pretty much good enough. Right. And so if it came out in the West, all that would really happen is that I would finally get the chance to give it my money. But the game is about enjoying things other than money. And so I think the creators are happier that their game is beloved in the West than they would be with it getting released and actually sold. Now, of course, they would. I'm sure they would still like that money, but also oh, it wouldn't go oh, to the same I'm, team anyways. I mean, you gotta, gotta eat. Gotta eat. And but... I'm sure... Like, game dev life, they don't always eat. Especially not in Japan. Now, I remember Itoi said that the series is finished, and he yes. would rather play games from now on than make more mother games. Mm -hmm. 
So what do you make of that one fan-made game that's kind of meant to adopt the style of the Mother series? I am so mad at them for not doing anything. Oh yeah, I... that, that kind of fell off after a while. There's, yes, it's a fan project, yes, they have full-time jobs on the side, but, like, they can go half a year without updating. So, like, I don't care about it. Yeah. It, it's not worth the space in my head to think about it. I don't really think about it very often either, but apart from Mother 3, I don't think about this series in general very often, so mm -hmm. um, I it do probably like means the... less coming from me. I do like that Mother has inspired a lot of other series, and by a lot of other series, I mean Undertale and Lisa. Earthbound is very influential, and I, I would like to talk about that with the guest in the Earthbound episode, which has not been recorded at this time. Okay, you can I do don't, that. I don't think Mother 3 has left an impact as much as Earthbound has. It's more of a in-the-family impact. Pretty much, yeah. Probably because it's Japan only. Yeah, I, I don't know how much they've compared. I think most people play Mother 3 because they liked Earthbound. Well, I think but... I've read that some people who weren't able to play Earthbound because it was hard to come by, they came into that after only knowing about Mother 3 somehow, and now that Earthbound is more accessible, they'll think, oh, this Earthbound game is actually better, or something. So there's there's a bit of a rivalry over which one people like more. That's stupid, Mother 3 is better. I mean, I mean, I like it better, but I don't know. I mean, that That's the point of the Earthbound episode. I'm going to try to figure out, well, you know, it'll already be out by the time this is out, but you get it. And and I will listen to it, and I will try to understand. I like Earthbound. I don't love Earthbound. Uh, you might be one of the first people I've met, then, who feels that way. Um. Well, okay, Austin doesn't count. That's Yeah, that's... Because, like, I, I say like, not hate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. Like, there's a lot of people who don't care about it at all. I still like it. I think there's a lot to love there. I just think, in general, I don't get it. Yeah, Whereas well. in, in Mother 3, I can, like, look at Porky and say, yes, I know exactly what this character is meant to tell me. Yeah, like, the, the, the themes of the family and the themes of the loss of innocence. The themes of what not to do. Themes of going left instead of right. Yes, and so a lot of why why I appreciate Mother Three is that it just tells me a lot of the ways that I need to think to make myself happy and enjoy the life that's in front of me. And so that's something I can respect a lot. I think it's influenced a lot of how I look at the world, and so for that, it definitely has to be one of my favorites. Like I said, it came to me at a point where I could finally grasp darker ideas, and it, you know, creatively it also influenced a lot of things. It kind of, and because the game is very silly and stuff, it kind of eases me into the idea of darker themes, so I think it's a good kind of coming-of-age game, in a sense. Like, y you grow as much as Lucas does if you play it at the right time. Fair enough, yeah. And I, uh, think that about covers it. That it does. I'm probably at, gonna have to split this into three episodes. At an unedited... Oh, we're at about two hours and forty minutes? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, 
I, I knew about cutting episode one off at the end of chapter three, but I'm going to have to find a good <laughs> Which middle ground. Which isn't even halfway through the game. Yeah. Good one, buddy. Uh, to, be, to be fair, chapter six is still a cutscene. Mm, chapter seven is the one that's bloating it up. Chapter seven is chapter seven, though, and chapter eight really has more content, too. Yeah, I'll probably... Uh, maybe I'll cut it off in between, like, chapter 7 and 8 or something, see how that goes. Okay. Uh, y you'll all know once it gets here what I decide to do, oh, it's not worth... Are, you're, you're gonna make the people listen to us deliberating on how to split up the episode after you split up the episode? You know, I, I believe in transparency. You're not gonna sometimes. take that out in post? Well, well, maybe I will, I don't know, I like transparency. Pe you know, they can trust me. Well, at least you're gonna take out that one thing that... I don't remember what it is anymore. The one Me where neither. you said you wouldn't. Well, that'll be fun to come back in editing. Okay. Well, I have been Philip. Yes, you, he's been Philip. I've been me. You, you, you have any closing remarks that you want to make? Any um, plugs or anything? The frogs are the best save point in any game ever. Yeah. Little That's frog car. I love them. They're perfect. Goodbye. Bye. Yeah. Follow the show on Facebook and Twitter and all that if you want to keep up to date. Find the show on the website and app and iTunes. Okay, bye. Listen to Bidcast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.